0: Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, church, maybe you are here for the first time, stepping in. Maybe you've been with us for the whole series, but we have been um, spending some time in the book of Genesis for the past seven weeks. Um, And it has been, it has been a godsend for our church. I feel like it's been really amazing. We've been diving into the life of Joseph and not Jesus's dad, Joseph, but the Joseph of the Old Testament. And uh, this morning, honestly, as we were planning it, this was gonna be the end of our series. But, you know, I'm going to carry it on into next week when we have our uh, at-home service. Those of you who are maybe traveling for Christmas, wake up the 26th and on Glory Online, on a, on Facebook. You can tune us in on, on our website. You can tune in to the service. I'm really excited. Uh, it's Glory at Home, all right? I'm really pumped for that. But I'm actually going to end this. C- series in a way next week. Um, And then Joseph will continue us into 2022. Don't you worry. Um, God is just, he has hit me hard with this. But so we're ending next week with the blessings because Joseph's dad um, speaks a blessing over each of his kids. Some of them are a little curse and you're like, dad, I don't want that one. Um, But others are a blessing, and so we're going to dive into the blessing that he spoke, and I I really, like, I'm going to use it in a way to look forward to 2022, so I'm really excited for that. But this morning, maybe you've come in and you're like, I don't know who Joseph is, I don't know who he is on the stage. My name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church, and uh, Joseph, don't worry. You don't have to know anything about him in order to sit with us today, um, because I am going to do a little bit of a backstory that will catch us up. Uh, Joseph, maybe you'll you will fit in with, with him in this way. His family was a hot mess. Anyone else like grew up in a hot mess family, don't worry, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm, I mean, I'm there with you. Um, hot mess family, so much so that his brothers, his older 10 brothers, sold him off into slavery. They were jealous, they were angry, they were bitter. Their dad loved him more. He, he showed favoritism, which is not a good thing. Thing if you're a parent in the room, don't do that, all right? Um, but he they showed they sold him off into slavery as a slave, and then he was purchased by a rich man, um, quickly elevated to the second in the household. Uh, if you remember, the Potiphar, then Potiphar's wife was like, Ooh, Joseph looks nice, and she she tried to, to get him uh, to, to, to come over to her many times. Right, finally, the last time uh, she decided he is not going to do anything, so I'm going to punish him for it. And so she lies to her husband, he gets thrown in prison, and there he waits for a little over two years. And then finally, Pharaoh dreams a dream. Um a fun fun fact to those of you who, who like these fun facts, um, a fun fact, I was like, how old is Pharaoh? I really wanted to know this. So I researched this, and found out Pharaoh was thirty years old. No, thirty-three years old when he met Joseph in prison, and Joseph was 30. And so Joseph is just three years younger than Pharaoh at this point. He is a young man, though. Pharaoh, 33, is young to be leading a whole group of people, let alone then say, hey, 30-year-old, can you take over with me? And so there's a lot going on. And, And then Pharaoh dreams these scary dreams, if you remember. Seven years of blessing in the land. Harvest would be nice, and then seven years of famine. And so tracking with us over the, the sermons, we there was a week where Dalton spoke, which was phenomenal, where, about Pharaoh's dream. There was a week afterwards where you saw the famine was struck, Gabby spoke into that, and for the first time you see Joseph's brothers coming back to him. He is now, uh, he is in charge of the storehouse of grain, he is literally heading, heading up Egypt and his brothers come. If you remember last week, I'm like... Do you remember me saying what do you do when you meet the people that you thought you would never see again in the most awkward of situations anyone ever run into like an ex at target and you're like "Ah," or you're a waiter and you literally have to wait on their table and you're like i can't do it all right the worst part is like uh, they didn't even recognize him and so now he has to open up these blessings for his family but if you remember last week and i don't want to spoil it but he wanted to know are they capable of receiving the grace that I have for them. And so last week I told you many times it's not that God doesn't have grace for you. It's, is your heart capable of receiving the grace that he actually has? Or is guilt weighing you down? Have you, are you stuck in the shame of yesterday and you're not even realizing today? Are you still defining it all by what was? And so then we see this time where a man steps up. I don't want to ruin it for you. All right, you're going to have to listen to last week's message on your own. A man steps up and does the unthinkable, sacrifices his life, one of his brothers, and that's where we ended last week's message. This week, we see this like, bomb, 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 chapter 45 of Genesis, and it starts off, I just didn't even want to... I didn't even want to like mouth this out or try to teach it without just reading it. i not paraphrasing this. Chapter 45 starts and it says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself. One of his older brothers are down at his feet. Literally sacrificing his life. And he says he couldn't control himself. And he cried out, send everyone away from me. And so no one stayed with Joseph when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And it says he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him they were like, what? They were dismayed that that they were in his presence. And so Joseph said to his brothers again, come closer to me. And it says they came closer. And he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now don't be distressed. Like, can you imagine the terror on their face as, hey, I'm Joseph. It's clicking. Oh, the one we threw into a pit. Oh, the one who was screaming in terror as we walked away, trying to drown it out by our laughs. Like, oh, that Joseph, who we told dad was dead, and we saw dad for years weep and mourn. That Joseph, oh. And he says, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And it continues. He says, For the famine, it has been going on for two years. And Joseph knows, right, there's five years more in which there will be no plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you. He sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. We'll hear it soon enough. He says what the enemy meant, right? What you meant, what all the haters, all of the hatred, all of the betrayal, what that meant for harm, my God intended for good. And he made it for good, not just for my life, but literally God's people were able to survive because of Joseph. It's just this powerful thing. And it says, he made me the father, a father to Pharaoh. And a lord of all the house and a ruler over the land of Egypt. The reason I looked at Pharaoh's age is because this. He made me a father to Pharaoh, it says. Pharaoh was older than him. But Joseph, this word father means adoptive father. Just a little nerdy on you. Uh, I'm really excited. I already told you that the theme that I have for 2022 as our church is the word Family. This whole last section of Genesis is covered with this theme of adoption. But the Pharaoh being adopted by Joseph, Joseph uh, adopting Egypt and taking care of it, Joseph's family coming, there's adoption throughout. And so, like, I'm really excited because what we've been given as a spirit of adoption, which is the opposite of a spirit of bondage, slavery, fear. And so, instead of fear, we result in praise. And it's, it's so, I'm really excited for that. That's all I got for you for that. But Pharaoh... He, he made him the father over and was ruling over everyone, and so he says, hurry, go up and get my father. Now, the rest is history, and we'll get, we'll get to the why I'm telling you this, but, but Pharaoh get, results in, in revolts in excitement, like Joseph's family is here, call everyone, get the wagons, and Joseph's just thinking, get my father, but Pharaoh's thinking, get the family because they're my family now. It's this beautiful picture. And so they send, every one of Joseph's brothers goes home with a wagon to carry their whole family back. It's like me and my four kids getting a wagon of ourselves to, to come back uh, to, to see Joseph. This is the, what's going on. And so he says, go get my dad. Tell him that I am okay, that I'm alive. That, tell him about where I'm at, what I've been doing. And so they go home and they tell dad where he's been at what he's been doing. The dad was like, are you, my Joseph is alive. Please like, let me go to him. And as he's walking, has this beautiful thing. Like if you want to read it's chapter 46, read it this week, this beautiful time while, while Jacob, the dad is on the way back. Jacob has a dream and the Lord meets him and speaks to him and tells him all these crazy things, beautiful things. But what I love is he says, you will see your son and your son will be the one who shuts your eyes. You, Some of you get that. You will die in the presence of your son, and he will be the one to shut your eyes. And Jacob's just like, My God, you've been with me. Like, you see me. I get to see my boy again. Yeah, like, I get to die with him. It's this beautiful picture. It's beautiful. And so he goes and he gets to see his son, and it's this powerful thing. But as we get into this, like what's about to happen is the people of Israel will come to Pharaoh. Pharaoh will result, like revolt and excitement, give them the best of the land, and Israel will have a multitude of people there. In fact, do you remember the whole let my people go Pharaoh story of like Israel became as much as the, what, what did they say, like the, the, the ants or the, the they're like everywhere, like cockroaches. That's what the Egyptians started calling them. It's because they blew up because God gave them fair, uh, favor by this Pharaoh. And so it's this beautiful picture that's about to happen, a powerful display of reconciliation after reconciliation. And I paraphrase the whole story because there's this powerful principle attached, and I'm going to need you to speak. You want to ask, you asked earlier, God, what do you have for me? This principle right here that is seen in throughout, because I noticed this verse, all right, verse 27 of like of chapter 47. Like, this story keeps going, and it's beautiful, but then this verse happens, and one word set me off on this whole tangent. Before we can even get into the blessings, this principle is here. Before we can even get into what Jacob will say to his sons, and it's beautiful, we'll get there next week. This verse, 27, caught me off guard. And so it was this. It says, this Israel, or Jacob, settled in the land of Egypt, in the region of Goshen, that beautiful land, the best And they gained possessions in it. They were fruitful and they multiplied exceedingly. And verse 28, Jacob lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life were 147. And you're like, what what stood out to you there, Greg? What stood out to you? Have we heard the word 17 in this story before? When was it? I'd love to hear. Anyone? Have we heard the number 17 anymore? Any of you Bible Bible scholars? Joseph was seventeen when he was sold into slavery. Now I, I just, in other words, what they just did, that you probably have never noticed, was Dad got to live in dysfunctional family unit with hateful sons who hated his loved one son for seventeen years. And now dad gets to live in a love-filled home home with brothers that have reconciliation with the son that he now sees correctly for 17 years. It's beautiful. It's powerful. But not only that, like 17 at the beginning, the first 17 years of Jacob's life with Joseph was a hot mess. I mean, that, like, think about it. There was this brokenness. There was this heaviness. But then at the end, everyone is the same. We get the dad. We still have the moms. We still have the same sons. And now they're reunited for a whole new 17 years. If, you want to take note, if you're taking notes, write this down. God orchestrates do-overs to further his plan of reconciliation. You can pass this, and you will miss That God orchestrates, this is a principle in life, he gives so many do-overs in our life. We're literally 17 years of beauty that sort of rewrites for the family unit what family looks like. Like, it's powerful. He gives them this do-over. I mean, think about it. Jesus had a do-over with the disciples. There was a disciple that was uh, very doubtful, and he gave this doubtful Thomas a do-over. Hey, look at me. There was, a, there was a disciple that literally betrayed through his words, denied Jesus three times, and he gave Peter a do-over. Do you remember? He said there and he said, but Peter, do you love me? But Peter, do you love me? And he said it three times. This is a do-over. He gives people a do-over so that we can realize where we went, how we acted, how we felt, what things were. The situation may be the same, but we're different in the do-over. It's this powerful principle. And so God grants the Israelites. And so think about it. Like, I just wrote some of these things down. If you want to, like, do a study over the first 17 years and the second 17 years, it's really powerful. They actually end pretty similarly. If you think about it, there's still death at the end of each. There's still mourning at the end of each. But one ends in slavery and the other with freedom. And it's beautiful. I mean, think about it. It's those 17 years. Of, like he has the opportunity now to rewrite it. The siblings, they have 17 years to now rewrite and stand apart from those 17 years. The dad, like it's it's to bless instead of curse. It's to give freedom instead of dishonor. I mean, literally. All the things. There was discord. Those first 17 years, lies, jealousy, betray, hate, anger. Uh, there was a famine of the heart, the love. I want dad's love. He's not giving it to me. All of these things that then just gets completely reversed in the next 17 years, where it ends with mourning, where it ends with betrayal and sadness and slavery, and then the next one went with mourning, sadness, death, but freedom. It's so beautiful. Now they get to do it over. Now a do over, like, honestly, I say all of this because I believe that God gives, in fact, like, I, again, I'm like, God, meet us right where we're at. I think that many of you are in a do-over situation. And some of the worst parts of do-overs is we fall into the habit of treating it the same way that we did. A do-over is there for God to further his plan of reconciliation. Reconciliation between like us, reconciliation between us, and reconciliation between both. All at the same time. Like every single time we have the opportunity to do it again. And so I just wrote a few down because I I think that some of you are like, no, I'm not in a do-over. No, I believe that most of us in this room are in do-over situations right now, that God is orchestrating them in your life. And some of you, it's been uh, that way for a while. But you've been fall, falling back into the um, role that you used to play. Th- if you want to write notes like a do-over is the opportunity to step into the peace of God. Like if God is making this, re- this uh, reconciliation work through a do-over, then you have the opportunity to literally do it again but to make it right. Every single time, you're like, okay, what is it? It's a similar situation, but with new people. Some of you, you had brokenness in your home, and you have the opportunity to do it over as you bring life into your home. Some of you, uh, you had neglect and betrayal, and sometimes God allows neglect and betrayal again for you to respond differently in it and find healing through it. A do-over happens. It's a similar situation, sometimes different people. Sometimes it's the workforce the, the, that just it, every job keeps ending the same way. Guess why? Because you're not, you're doing it over, but you're still playing the same character in the story. No, like allow the do-over to have God's reconciliation in it. Like we, he uses these all the time. Have you ever said, I'm just in the same place again sometimes it's the opportunity to parent in a better way than you were parented you have a do-over you have that same strong-willed child that you were and you can do it over i'm going to treat them in the way that they need it's a do-over. Sometimes it's a relational tension in, in your adult uh, relationships, a do-it-over. Or honestly, some of you who are married, you, you get so frustrated that they keep doing the same thing. God's like, I know they're doing the same thing, but you are still reacting in the same way. This is a do-it-over do it so that you can respond differently. You know, like all of these do-overs are opportunities for us to see what God is doing And be a different character in the play. Does this make sense? Like that's the beautiful thing about everything. Some of it, I wrote this down. Another person that just walked out of your life, you can do it over. How are you going to handle it this time? Another problem that just came out of nowhere, you get to do it over. How are you going to handle it this time? Uh, Problems at navigating breakups or separation. Okay, how are you going to handle it this time? Or like Joseph, people from your past literally resurface and you got to do it over again. How do you do it this time? Uh, Do-overs, if you want to take a note, it is this, that they are the opportunity to step into a similar place, but you're actively choosing to be a different role. You're actively choosing to take a different role. And this is why God wants to speak to us because do-overs are all around you, but you keep playing the same role. You keep playing the same role, and this is beautiful. Like in Joseph, I'm not the little brother anymore. I'm not. I actually have a role. I've been anointed as the as the owner of all of this stuff. I'm, a, I'm playing a different role. I'm not going to slide into the role of being the hated one. It's not me. I play a different role, and so I'm going to operate in the authority of that role. It's a similar scene. My brothers are with me. It's a similar scene. My dad is with me, but I'm not hungering for his favoritism anymore. I'm playing a different role. I have the favoritism. Like, I have the favor of the Lord, and so do they. Like, I'm seeing it differently. Does that make sense? It's a similar scene, but it's different. And a do-over is only a do-over if it's intentionally different. Do you understand that? If it's not different, then it's just a relapse. You understand what I mean? Like a do-over is only a do-over if it's intentionally different. Some of you, you keep getting hurt at work, or you keep getting hurt relationally, or you keep going back into those things, and you, you keep saying, God, why do I, does this keep happening? And he's like, because you're not realizing that it's a do-over. There's some relational healing that I want to do every time. There's some things you keep failing, but you're thinking it's a failure instead of a finding me in it moment. And so you're, you're, you're relapsing into this old version of you instead of claiming who you are. It's a do-over. See, the powerful things happen in do-overs because not just Joseph changes, Joseph's dad changes, Joseph's family changes. All of Egypt changes. The Egyptians, did you know that many Egyptians will be in heaven because they learned to follow Yahweh and sacrifice to Yahweh because of Joseph doing it over the right way? Like, it's just this beautiful thing. Like, God's people were able to see and be seen in ways like never before because they took ownership of the do-it-over. It wasn't a relapse. I'm not playing this role anymore as a little boy who was thrown into a pit. I am actually going to bring them out of the pit now. Yeah. Like it's this do-over. There's a different role in it. But I will tell you, like, <laughs> some of this is some of you are gonna have to say, I'm gonna stop playing the victim this time. Oh, yeah. You're not the victim anymore. You're not. Like that is a relapsing lie of the enemy that will keep you stuck. I wrote another one. I'm not going to play the fixer anymore. That's not my role. I have a different role. It's a similar scene, but as I seek reconciliation from the Lord, like I'm going to own my, my scene. My role is not the fixer anymore. I'm not going to play the angry one anymore. I realized that that was the placement of, of the, the moms in my, in my childhood, the angry one. I'm not going to play the angry one anymore. I'm not going to play the pushover anymore. I'm not. I'm not going to play the passive-aggressive one anymore. You see, in every one of our relational instances, as we work like Joseph to understand being formed in the weight of the call, we have to also realize that we're going to have do-it-over situations where we're not going to be able to be like who we were. But the habit, like muscle memory, is to fall back into those places, right? Like, it's muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. You get hurt, you're going to be the passive-aggressive one. Why? Because that's the role you, you used to play. And it, did you know, like, our emotions have memories just like our muscles do? Did you know, like, our, our spirit has memories just like our muscles do? Did you know, like, our mind, like, we will travel down the thoughts that we travel down as fast as we can Unless we say, no, it's going to be a similar scene, but I'm going to be different. This is a different role. One, because I've been redeemed. I've been changed. I'm not going to play the isolating one anymore. Some of you, when the bad thing happens, you isolate yourself. I'm not going to play that role. It's interesting, when it comes to Joseph, like, I... It's one thing, like I've loved the story of Joseph. He is a man who has integrity. It's one thing to be integritist when you're dealing with new hard situations, right? It's another thing, then, like literally, it's a whole other thing to remain faithful and steady when you are face to face with the reality of your past wounds. That is when it's a do over, is when you are face to face with the reality of your past wounds. It was easy for him, and not easier. Sorry, Joseph, if you're listening to this, you know, up in heaven. It was hard, obviously, to be thrown into a pit. It was hard, obviously, to be thrown into prison, to be forgotten, all of those things. But it's a whole nother level of faith and steadiness and obedience when you have to come face to face with your past wounds. When you have to, like, come face to face. And that is when the do-over begins. That's when the do-over begins. Like, these aren't just memories from the past. These are people. These aren't just, like, memories from the past. Like, those are, those are fears that are real. Those are real abandonments. Those are neglects. Those are worries. Those are real-life people connected with my literal wounds. And some of you, like, you have opportunities to do it over. Have you ever met the people who look like people that have hurt you? And you all of a sudden are ready They haven't even done anything yet, but you're all of a sudden ready to respond to them in the way that you responded to them, right? No, this is an opportunity to do it over. When that happens, you probably need some reconciliation with them because this person is now bringing up, it's not that person doing it, it's your heart doing it. You have the opportunity to do it over, to play a different role in this. And I get that, like, I'm there. But the only way we can do it over is by the Lord. is by his leading, his healing, his change. I mean, wounds can only be healed uh, by him, right? We're, we're doing this Advent study with my children. We do it every year, but, like, literally by his wounds, we read this last night with our kids, we are healed. We can't find relational healing the story of Joseph would go nowhere if it was not for the Messiah that would come. And so, like, you're going to always relapse unless you're healed by his wounds. And so I just want to speak that like I, that's just a, a, little, a little thing. But it was hard because the second set of, of 17 years still had issues. The famine still continued. In fact, like you can see multiple times where the brothers wanted to play back into their role. Like if you want to do some some studying, like highlight this week from 45, 46, 47, 48, 49. All of those chapters, you can highlight dozens of times where the brothers try to play back in their role. But Joseph not only shows that he's in a different one, but he pulls them out of it every time. It's so beautiful. Like it's really powerful. The dad plays into his own role. You're going to read this, this beautiful story, if you read it this week, where the dad blesses Joseph's sons. It's just powerful. Like The dad's like, I didn't even get to be there when your sons were born. The dad's feeling the weight of this. I didn't even know that you were alive. So the sons that were born when I wasn't there, I'm going to give them the inheritance as if they're my own kids. I'm going to adopt them. They're going to get Israelite inheritance, even though they were born in Egypt to an Egyptian woman, they're going to get Israelite inheritance. And so it's this beautiful thing. But when he does that, guess what the dad does? Joseph brings in the sons to bless, and the the father switches his arms around to where the right hand doesn't go to the older son. It goes to the younger son. Why? Because this guy's living in a past wound still, and Jacob plays in his old role where Jacob, if you know the story, he was second born, and he fought for the birthright of his brother. He lied for it. He lied for it. And so still, he wants to bless the younger one over the, over the older one. And, the, and Joseph literally says, no, you bless my son more, the older one. Why are you doing that? And still, dads do what dads do. So he still blesses the one that he wants to bless. But Joseph calls him out. He's like, I'm not going to play that role anymore, where well, you get it wrong. Like, we're going to stand, we're setting something new. And so it's this powerful thing. You'll see it over and over. The sons, the, the dad trying to play a different role. Trying to play that same old, same old. But Joseph's like, no, we're different. Another way that you can say this is this time, we are going to live with a different script. This time, we are going to live with a different script like a different one. I, I'm, I'm going to flip that script on it. Did you realize that like uh, there's a father of lies and there's an author of life? Both have a book of their own, a playbook of their own. There's the father of lies and there is the author of life. Both have a script and whether you think it or not, your words are not apart from one of those two. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. You're either going to fall in line with the script of the father of lies, or you are going to go into the script of the author of life. You're not going to speak anything new. I'm just saying, you're not, sadly. Uh, some of you are like fours in the Enneagram or whatever, and you're like, I'm creative. I'm going to speak something new. I'm like, no, sorry, you're not. God, God's the creator of all things. You can bring it to creation. It's beautiful. Uh, but you're either going to lie or you're going to say truth. Like, that's the point. Your script is either going to go into deadness. Like, it's going to bring pain and isolation and betrayal. It's going to further the cause of the enemy, or it's going to further the cause of the Lord. I'm going to speak by a different script, right? That's how you say, this time I'm going to use a different script. I used to tell this to my students all the time. Like, when I first became a youth pastor, it was a hot mess. Like, I had some students, like, they would yell at me while I was up on stage, like, how old are you? How much do you bench? All of these things. Um, they, They thought that they were, and by that time, granted, I used to work out way more than I do now. But these are the things that would come to me, like, I'd be, like, fighting for the attention, and one time I was like, you guys think that you're rebellious, but really... You're doing, you're falling in line with everything that the enemy wants for you. Like the devil wants for you to fall in line with him. You're thinking you're rebelling, but literally you're you're going right in line with his plan for you. And all of it was just silent in the room. I was like, you want to be a rebellion? Then go against that. Like go against that. That's rebellion. Like if you want to go against rebellion, go against the way of the world. Like the literal. And so which script are you going to operate with? It's a do-over. I will either lie with my words or I will speak truth. I wrote some things like the, the playbook of the world says selfish gains. I hold in my bitterness. I lie about what's really going on. I dodge how I really feel. If you want to live by a different script, if you want to do it over, then stop lying about how you really feel. Stop. Stop. We dodge, we jump to conclusions, we overthink, we fear the worst, we expect too much of people. Come on, that's a way of the world. Playbook of the the father of truth is I will expect of people what I know they can provide with me. But really, I know my father is the one who's going to lift me up. I don't need them to, to give me fulfillment. And so the playbook of the enemy is no, they expect a lot of them. Expect them to give you the satisfaction and then be upset when they don't fulfill it. It's their fault. And so this, this playbook that we have to realize, another one is to be, you know, situationally minded, blaming others, justifying ourselves, indulging, quitting, quitting, retreating too soon, yeah, withdrawing emotionally, all of the ways of the world. But then we see a flip of the script. I see a flip of the script when Joseph cries. They've never seen, like I've never read in those first 17 years, them see Joseph vulnerable. But here he is weeping, not by what they've done to him, but by his love for them. He's flipping a script. I'm showing a different character trait. I'm showing that I am different. I'm flipping the script. Instead of like spoken lies, I'm going to speak constant grace over them. Instead of like them constantly uh, thinking the worst, like I'm going to show them the best. Like it's over and over. He flips the script and it's really beautiful. But as we end, I want to get really, um, really practical. I love some practicality. I'm going to put on my... Take off my pastor hat and put on the teacher. Like, we're about to get very practical. Because what I know to be true is the holidays happening. How many of you relapse into some of your bad things during the holidays when you see your family again? You get angry about the same things with dad. You, you fight about those same things with grandma. You play into that same role with your siblings. You go to that same place, this Christmas is gonna be different and then it doesn't. Why? Because you keep relapsing into the old habits, right? And so like, I wanna get really practical uh, because we are to live with a different script. And so how do we do it? The first one, <laughs> I want you to notice the dance that is happening and exercise your authority to lead it well. I used to tell this, like, uh, there's a dance that happens. You know this dance. We can say it in many ways. Where they step that way, I can step and follow them, or I can step to lead them. Like, it's they can react this way, some of you. They can say this thing, and then I can follow suit and say my thing, and then they can say their thing, And now we're just playing this dance that's going to go spiraling downward because we are playing the dance. Does this make sense? I used to tell this to my students who, like, would try to go a little too far with their girlfriends or boyfriends. I'm like, girls, you can see the dance. When he gets a little closer, you can either get a little closer or you can guard yourself and get a little further. You know, like we can see the dance happens. You, you can tell when the dance is happening. When the lure of the enemy is trying to take, it's triggering you. The button is being pushed. They just, they just left you. That just happened. They just didn't see you clearly. They just took advantage of the situation. All right, they took the step. Do you follow the step or do you notice the dance and exercise your authority to lead it well? That's what I mean by it. Does that make sense? Like that, if you want to play a different role, then you got to notice. Yeah. You have to notice what the enemy is doing in your own heart. You got to. I know that I always take that step, but I play a different role. I'm not going to take that step, and I get the. Whew, I get a really hard time doing this. It's a relational pattern that happens to to ha- like to us. It's a sin pattern. This dance. It is a, a fear pattern. It is a partnership. You begin dancing with something. You can either end it, you can lead it. And so I wrote some of this like, sometimes it means ending the dance with forgiveness. Sometimes it means taking over the dance. Sometimes it means taking a step that they weren't prepared for and you start crying like Joseph does, like showing weak, weakness in a, in a powerful way. And so we have to start noticing these if we're going to do it over. Does this make sense? If we're going to do it over. Another way that I, uh, (laughs) he doesn't just dance when they want him to dance. I love that Joseph doesn't. But I wrote this that in order to notice the dance, we cannot go into uh, autopilot. Autopilot. Um, What I mean by that is like I just sometimes coast. And when I coast, when things just get crazy in my life and I just start coasting, then I will start blindly responding to everything as my flesh wants me to blindly respond to. But I'm not going to play that dance. You want me to get really practical in my life? Like, I'm about to go home for for Christmas, and this always happens. If this is the one time that my dad watches Facebook live, I'm going to be like, sorry, Dad. But in my family, every Thanksgiving, every Christmas... Everyone looks at me right before the meal. Uh, the the meal happens, and what do they say? Will you pray for us, Pastor? I'm like, oh, because none of you are close to Jesus enough to pray. Cool, I'll take it over. And like, out of bitterness, like that's the. I'm like, oh, you want to dance? All right. How about any of you take over? Like, and I, sorry, I get like, you know, frustrated. I'm like, hey, Kate's a pastor too, and everyone's like, yeah, but she's a woman. You see, it just happens like, and then whoo, it goes crazy. Um, so like. I really have to guard my heart Like when this happens. This past time, my dad, uh, he, he could pick up on it because my stepmom would say, who's going to pray? Greg, Greg, will you pray? And my dad was like, I'll pray this time. I'm like, thank you, Dad. Thank you. But what if we started playing a different script where I'm like, all right. You want me to take spiritual authority over this room? Okay. Like, right. Like, think of it. You, you want me to pray? Be prepared for what I'm going to pray for then. I'll take ownership. Like, I literally, like, God was, was convicting me. I, I, I'm, I'm going to live with a different script. You want me to show you who I am? God has done a lot in my life. I'm about to pray deliverance in this room. Like, right? Like, I'm going to change. <laughs> and so I think we've got to start realizing that we're not the little people doing the dance that we always danced. Like, with every step, God has now molded me into a man who can step now with authority. To a woman, you can now step with authority. And that is beautiful. I'm not going to go on autopilot because I need to notice that the dance happens. And it's real. And it's real. A second one and the last one is you got to practice believing that this is not the same. And now this is the the big one. Like for Joseph, he needed to remember this is not the same. Like I'm going to be discerning to see if they're the same, if they still have the same like struggles and issues. But this isn't the same. Why is this not the same? Because I am not the same. Like it's this beautiful thing. Like I, you know, the passage of forget the former things. Well, that's when you step into something new. Some of you can't step into anything new because you're still the former thing. Like, you're still acting like that. Like, no, like, this is not the same. I remind people a lot of this, um, where they're struggling with uh, an addiction, and they believe that one drink will set them all the way back to need to, to do everything over again. Or one, one look at porn again. It means that I'm all the way back at the beginning. I have to read. No, this isn't the same. It's not, not the same. Allow yourself to not go into the, the guilt associated with, with that. This isn't the same pause. Let's think of what God has done. Let's think of the people that are around you. Let's think of the character that you've gained. Now apply that to what you just did there's some healing attached. There's some, yeah, you need to own it up, but there's not this same acting. I'm not going to go back, to, that's not me. I, this is a do-over. I will learn how to hand it to God quicker. I'll learn how to respond differently. I will learn that this is not the same. Some of you need to say they did it again. They just did it again. They, they keep saying that they're not gonna do this. Husbands and wives, you're stuck with them, right? They keep doing this. It's, it, they just keep doing it. It's not the same. You got you to, gotta, God is doing a work. It's not the same. If he is shaping us, then the other variables are not the same because we're not the same. And so it's this huge thing. Like, I I really wrote this down. The enemy wants to blind us of the variables that are different because they are the only tools needed. If you want to put that up, they are the only tools needed to step forward. The enemy wants us. Can you put that up for me, Brandon? Uh, The enemy wants us to be blind of 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 the variables that are different. Think about the things that are different in Joseph's life at this point. One, he's had 22 years of trusting the Lord in crappy situations. That has shaped him. He has had promises of the Lord where the Lord said, I will be with you. I have covered you. My steadfast love is with you. Whether no one else is with you, I am. He's had... Those are variables that were not there before. Like all of these things, all of the tools that he's gained, the tools. If he goes back into the situation void of those, then he's going to miss that they're the very way to get out of it. And so... Let me make it practical for you guys. You're going to go back home. You're going to go see family. You're going to be with siblings. You're going to continue your workplace. Can we own the fact that there are variables that God is doing that have shifted us, changed us? And so I'm not going to play back into that role. Because what he has done is actually the very tool needed for me to move forward and so i'm not going to forget it when i engage in this this is different and i'll speak something over you like many of you have relational pains from the past that i believe god is wanting to use glory church to do it provide a do-over with and what i mean by that is do you realize that you have people around you who want to walk life with you that when they're sleeping in and they forget you, it's a do-over for you to respond and realize like, oh, they still love me. This is real love. Every time, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to press into this place because God, like, I'm going to do it over. I'm going to realize that he is here. Sometimes that's what I tell the people, like, who are struggling. I'm, I'm in this place and I'm just here again. And I'm like, well, pause. What are the things that are different this time? Well, want I have a church family, oh, pop, that's... You have a what? I have a I have a church family. Do you realize you're not alone? Oh, I I guess I, it is different. Yeah, that's different. When you have a problem, who do you go to now? Like, do you go back to the drinks? No, I go to I go to my friends. Like, I go to the people of God. I ask for prayer. That's different. The enemy does not want you to play those tools because those are your steps forward. This is a different dance. Does this make sense? Like, this is not the same. We have to speak it. This is not the same. It is a do-over. Is, I'm playing by a different script. And so this morning, as we end, I actually wanted to do so in an in a interesting way. Uh, I asked Bro Bro to play me a, uh, a song. And so we're about to do it in just a minute. Um, have you ever heard the song uh, Christmas Bells? Uh, it's from a poem, and it's just really beautiful thing. Uh, but the reason I'm going to play it is I just really wanted some time for you to realize that there's a script that you can determine what you're going to live by every day. So the, this is a poem actually that then was turned into a song, uh, but the, the poem essentially goes, like, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet, their words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Well, did you know that while this author was writing it, he experienced death? Pretty sure his baby died. Pretty sure his mom, or not his mom, his wife died. And he's left alone while he's writing this. And so it sort of shifts. It shifts and it says, uh, and in despair, I bowed my head. I said, there's no peace on earth. I said, for hate is strong and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. You see the script that he's wanting to play? But then it pauses, says, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, and the right will prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. See, the power of this song is this active flipping of the script. The world is ringing these bells, the enemy is speaking these things. But the script that I operate with is a peace on earth, goodwill to men. So you play. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.